Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. Amen. Do you know what happens on this day? More than all the other days of the, of the year. More people go to church today than any other day in America. You know, most time people get a new hat, new dress, something new. But how many knows that's all fine, but it ain't got nothing to do with your hairdo, your clothes, your nails, good looking as you are. Ain't got nothing to do with the meaning of the day. Amen? Some of you didn't like that. I know you come to be seen. I know. I know you paid a lot for it. I know. But you got to understand, in the Christian community, Easter is not only the oldest holiday, it is the most important holiday in the Christian calendar. Because you can't talk about the death without talking about the resurrection. Come on. So it, it is a time to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And without the resurrection... Our Christian faith would be just, you know, just secular philosophies of men, just religion, uh, uh, no power, if you would. Come on, somebody. You got to understand that Buddha died, but Buddha's still in the ground. Come on, somebody. Muhammad died, but Muhammad's still in the ground. Harry Krishna died, but he's still in the ground. Harry Potter going to die, but he's, he's still going to be in the ground. Only one got up, and that was Jesus the Christ after three days. He said, destroy this temple, and what? I'll rebuild it. Come on, somebody. He's the only one that stands like that. Easter is preceded by a time of Lent, as many knows, which is 40 days, you know, a period of fasting and repentance. Leading up to Holy Week, them seven days when Jesus came riding in on the foal of a donkey. Come on. And uh, that ended in, uh, you know, Passover. And the word Easter itself is not in the Bible, but the very word itself, the origins of it is the word, the Greek word Pascha, P-A-S-C-H-A, where we get the word Passover. So I mean, you can't talk about the death without in the same sentence talking about the resurrection. Because it's, it's inseparable. Amen? I'm still amazed at how 12 peasant fishermen, tax collectors, farmers, how in the world did these 12 men multiply? The followers of Jesus, only 12, to one out of every three people on the earth today confess Christianity. How did they do it? It's real simple. It's because of the resurrection. The good news spread. How many of those it wasn't just good news? It was great news. And it didn't just change some things. It changed all things. It changed everything when he got up. No other event has ever impacted the word, the world, so much as the resurrection of Jesus. Think about it. He never wrote a book. You never find any notes that he wrote down or pinned on paper. But more books are written about that one man than anybody in the whole world. He never sung a song or wrote a song. But there's more songs sung about him than any other person or event in the history of the world. 
He never walked or went more than 100 miles from his hometown. But he's fine. You can find believers of Jesus Christ all over, hidden in every crook and cranny, if you will. Come on, somebody. Nook and cranny. How about that? Crook. That's pretty good. He's in the crook. Amen. Glory to God. But see, the reason Christianity spread is it's because it was the good news, the resurrection of Jesus. I want to to read Mark 16, just a few verses there, 1 through 7 as our text before lunch. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, how many of that's the one he cast out seven demons? Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Some translations said he was sitting on top of the stone. He said, don't be alarmed, he said. You were looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. But he's not here. He has risen. He's not here. And the place he told his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. You got to understand that prior to them getting up on this Easter morning, the first Easter morning of the scripture, it was Friday. It was Holy Week, and Jesus had came riding in, and they'd come over. They'd come together to celebrate the Feast of Passover. What they didn't know that was that he was going to be the Passover lamb. He, he didn't come to live and set up his kingdom this time. He came to die. And most of the church now is trying to get out of here to go to heaven, and Jesus is still trying to get in the earth. We've always had it backwards. And you got to understand that he was arrested in the garden on Friday, and, and now his disciples have scattered, and, and they were in hiding. And Peter's now even denying that he even knows this Lord. And it's still Friday, and they take Jesus before the high priest. And you know how many knows the high priest is the one that would have to inspect you? In the Old Testament, they would bring the lamb. It had to be a perfect lamb without defect. And in the Old Testament, they would have to bring him before the high priest. And he, he would inspect him to make sure he was perfect, to make sure he didn't have no blemishes. Well, in the New Testament, they don't realize it, but that's what they were doing. They brought him before the high priest. And truth is, he was inspecting him. Because, how do you know that? Because he said, I find no fault in this man. What crime has he committed? He was really inspecting the Lamb of God to show you and I he was without defect. He was the perfect Lamb of God. I could preach right there. That's a good one. But Jesus is before the high priest, and he's silent as a lamb before his shears. And, the, and Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He said, yes, it is as you say. You know, they accused him of many things. But the Bible says Jesus didn't respond to any other accusations. Didn't say nothing else. And the annual custom of that day was what? To release a prisoner. So Pilate asked, do you want Barabbas? I mean, he was a thief. 
or do you want Jesus released to you? He said, I find no fault in this man. And guess what they said? Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. And he knows that Pilate released Barabbas to him. He had Jesus flogged, and that night they took him into the palace, and they began to beat him. They began to put the purple robe on him. They began to make a crown of thorns, put it on his head. They began to uh, mock him, bow before him. They beat him beyond recognition. They'd blindfold him and hit him and keep beating him and say, tell us, prophesy to us, who hit you? They would kneel and mock him. Hell, king of the Jews. It was a horrible night. Something like it's never been before. You know, Jesus, I remember a scripture this morning, it said, I not only offered them my beard to be plucked, but I also offered them my back. Man, it was a God of love and a God of mercy. And they beat him again and again. Bloody mess as he was, he now turned his head and he had to carry this cross to Calvary. Do you understand that this same Jesus, the ones that beat him, looked at him and he would pray and he'd say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. With such love and kindness and mercy. You know, without the shedding of blood, the Bible says there is no remission of sins. He had to carry his own cross up to Calvary and time to time it would fall and the weight of that cross on his back would just hit his face on the ground and they beat him with a cat of nine tails which had stone and metal and glass. 39 stripes to rip away his flesh from his body. No one has ever been beaten like this man. He could have called for 10,000 angels, the Bible says, to have stopped it at any time, but he didn't. Why? Because he looked down through eternity, and he saw you. And he knew the blood had to be applied once and for all. Used to in the Old Testament, the blood of bulls and goats and rams would just kind of cover up your sin. But now we had one that when this blood was shed, it wouldn't only cover it up, but it would wash it away forever. And it says it would even remove the conscious. It would even help your bad conscience that you got of your sin. Just remove it, all the residue of your past. Come on. That's good blood. That blood is holy. That blood is righteous. That blood is sacred. That's why he told him when, when this blood spills on the ground in Leviticus, he said, only that blood stay there. You cover it up. This holy this blood is holy. The blood's holy. Him know the one purpose of the blood, that's redemption. Redemption. It was atonement. He said, I offered my back. Father, forgive them. And as he was hanging on the cross, people were shaking their heads saying, surely, you know, you are the son of God. You, you said you'd destroy this temple. You can't even, and raise it up in three days, and you can't even save yourself. Just mocking him. The sky grew dark. Earth began to shake. And he, now he who knows no sin 
become sin for you and I. And the last words that he uttered was it is finished. Man, he had run his race. He had paid the ultimate sacrifice for all of mankind. At the moment of Jesus' death, the veil of the temple, the Bible says, was torn from top to bottom, making a way for sinful man to now forever be able to come to a holy God through the blood of Jesus. It isn't through works. It isn't through mine and your righteousness. It's only through the blood of Jesus that we come. He's hanging on the cross. His head's lowered. His body is beaten. No breath in his body. Heaven is weeping. All the hell is partying. On that horrible day 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, the only begotten Son of God, the only perfect man died on the cross of Calvary. Satan thought he had won the victory. Surely he had destroyed once and for all the Son of God. Finally, he, he was so happy that he had disproved the prophecy that he remembered that God uttered in the garden. You'll bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head. Finally, he don't have to live with that fear no more of that coming true. It's now Sunday morning. He's three days in the tomb. Three days. It's dark. This is when Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, brought spices that they might know, go anoint Jesus' body. And just after sunrise on the way to the tomb, they remembered, oh, Lord, they put a stone in front of his tomb. Some say that stone weighed about 2,000 pounds. And they had the thought, who's going to remove that stone so that we can get in? How I many knows that was an obstacle standing in the way? And just as they got there, they saw an angel sitting on the stone. Come on. An earthquake took place and moved that stone out of the, the way. How I many knows that stone wasn't moved so that Jesus could get out? Because Jesus walked through walls. He could have spoke a word and, and, and emptied and the stone become rubble. He could have walked through the stone. But the reason the stone was removed wasn't so Jesus could get in, get out, but so you and I could get in. To Jesus. That's why he removed it. And the guards were standing there. The ones that had to guard it all night. Shaking in their boots. No doubt. As this lamb that used to be silent. And that is now the resurrected king. Of the tribe of Judah. King of kings and Lord of lords. All of hell has just lost its power. All glory, all honor, all authority, all dominion has now been given to this Jesus again. This resurrected Christ has now defeated hell, grave, death. Man, that's something to shout about this morning. Amen? But see, I came to tell you this morning, I had a thought. <clears throat> 
had a thought the other day, and that's of where I'm getting to. Easter's just not about the death, burial, and resurrection. Easter's about removing stones. That's what I felt like the Lord said to me. Easter's about removing stones and removing obstacles, things to get out of your way so that you can get to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Mary had a great, you know, had a goal of seeing Jesus, but something was blocking them from getting to him. The stone first had to be removed. And Jesus didn't move the stone, as I said, to, so he could get out, but so you and I could get in. You know, and I heard one time, Brother Dale, Pastor Dale had said this, that in the Eastern mindset, when you had a meal, you would fold up the napkin a certain way to just to let them know I'm finished. Thank you. And uh, it says that the grave napkin was folded and laid it to place. And what that means was, I don't, I'm finished. Uh, I don't want to taste, I'm done with this. I, no, thank you. I've tasted of death and I don't want it. Thank you. Man, they found that this tomb was empty this time. Tomb empty. And you remember the story of, you know, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. How I many know Jesus used to go to their house all the time? Talking about removing stones. And their brother had died. And Jesus was nowhere to be found. And the sister sent word to Jesus, the one you love is sick. You remember that? And when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. But it is for the glory of God. And then it says he waited two more days. How many of anybody ever felt like that about Jesus? Hey, he not right, he not on mind in your calendar time, but he right on time. Amen. It said he hung around two more tight days. You know why he did that? I think he wanted. See, some people's faith believe that if Lazarus is sick, it don't take as much faith to heal him as it does if he's good and dead. But if he's good and dead, they'll know. There's a resurrected king, come on, that's going to raise him back up from the dead. So Jesus waited two more days, and then he told the disciples, come on, we're going to Judea. Lazarus is asleep. And being like we are today, they said if he's asleep, it's good, because he needs to rest, and he'll feel better. Jesus said, mm, I'm not talking about sleep as you think. The boy's dead. I'm going to wake him up. And when he gets there, Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. And Martha and Mary, remember them? Martha come to him. You ever had anybody come up to you just the right time, always say the wrong thing? Whew. You, anybody got people like that in your life? Just always say what you didn't even ask for. Just boop, boop, boop. You want to do, do, Got grace growers, we call them. They're just grace growers. They're in every church. I know there's none in here, but they're, you know. On your job, there's at least one that gets under your skin. <laughs> but Martha came to him, and guess what she said? If you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I mean, that's good to get greeted with. Now it's his fault. Now it's his fault. Jesus says, I'm going, he's going to rise up. Oh, I know he'll rise up in the resurrection at the end of time. Jesus said, no, he's going to rise up 
now. Because I am the resurrection. Amen? And then Mary come to him. Jesus, she was weeping. She didn't accuse him. She was full of love, but she was hurting. And she was weeping. The Bible says Jesus wept. She said, if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Guess what Jesus said to her? Guess what I felt out last few days in my own private time. Jesus deeply moved with emotions, the Bible says, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. And guess what? The tomb was a cave with just a stone laid in front of it. You understand in the old, in the old times, they might have a hole in a cave and they'd put something in front of it, but other family members would get to use and borrow the same tomb. It wasn't like we do it today. So a big stone was in front of the tomb and the Lord said to Martha, what he said was, take away the stone. And I heard that this week, Lord, take away the stone. And then Martha speaks up as we would. Oh, you don't understand. He'd been dead four days and there's a bad odor in there. No embalming process was in the Old Testament. Can you imagine after four days what kind of smell that must have been? See, Martha at this time wasn't trying to be spiritual. She just trying to be practical. But see, Jesus then gave her a command. Take away the stone. And then he did this. And then he asked her a question. He said, didn't I tell you that if you only believed, you'd see the glory of God? So Jesus gave the command, take away the stone. And then he asked her a question. Did I not say to you, if you only believe, will you not see the glory of God? See, Jesus is promising right here that if you'll just move that stone out of the way, I'll reveal my glory. Stone removed, glory revealed. Get it? Stone removed, glory revealed. Jesus ignores the statement. That it's, he's been dead four days and it stinks. Jesus just totally ignores what she said because Jesus always sees past our stink and our stuff. And he sees the glory in you. If you'll just remove the stone, I'll take you past the stench. If you'll remove that stone, I'll take you past the stink. Come on, somebody. I'll show you the glory. Just on the other side of that stone is death and stink. Or it has the potential for the glory of God to be revealed when we remove the stone. See, there's only two ways of looking at people. Either you and I look at people and then we say, ooh, I remember that. God, it stinks. Whew, they stink. Leave them alone, brother. Just leave them alone. They bad news. Or we can look at them like Jesus did. And say, you know what? 
Behind all that stink, behind all that stink, come on, somebody. It's the glory of God with the call of God on their life, and I still there's greatness on the inside of them. If I can just get somebody to remove the stone and look past the stone in them. Me and you still do that today. All the people we encounter is one of them two ways. And truth is, this is evangelism from the church. The church is called to be a bridge to a dying and lost world. You know what he wants me and you to do? Help them remove the stone so the glory of God can come in their life. Maybe that stone is a lie they have believed. Most of the time it is. He's the father of lies, the enemy, right? Maybe that stone is shame that they've been through in their life. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's condemnation. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's just religion. Maybe the reason most people don't come to church is because they've already been. And they got a taste of religion and people, but they didn't, get it. they didn't see Jesus when they got there. But if you taste of Jesus, you'll never thirst again. He'll satisfy every void in your heart. Money can't do it, honey. Come on. Power can't do it. All your belongings will either go in the tomb where you hadn't done nothing for nobody. Only thing you need to fill your life is the blood of Jesus. Every son, every boy needs a daddy. Every boy needs a father. Every daughter needs a daddy and father to love them, to tell them it's going to be okay. Ain't none of that in my notes, but I felt the Lord come on me. Ain't, ain't none of your stuff going with you. What if you gain the whole world, the Bible says, and lose your soul? It ain't worth nothing. What does it profit a man if he gains everything? And then loses the most important thing. Because you don't go around once. As the world says, you go around once, live life to the fullest. They lied. You go around twice. Eternity. You'll live forever somewhere. You got to understand when he said move the stone, the Jewish people knew he had a deeper meaning. He wasn't, see, you and I look at that and we just say, well, he was talking about a rock in front of a cave. That's our Western mindset. But in the Eastern mindset, they said, he's talking, but he's really saying something deeper than what we're getting because he would tell a parable and he would hide a story within a story. And he would tell them, I say it like this so that they don't get it, but you, you get it because you dig down deeper. It's of the spirit. He was always talking about this when he was really talking about this. So he told them, take away the stone." And them Jewish people with their mindset was thinking, what's it? I know, I know there's a rock, but what's the spiritual implication? And they knew they had to be something solid. They had to be something powerful with authority that was blocking the entrance. They were something he was talking about more than a big old rock. And I find it all the way back in Exodus 31, 18. It says, when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, that he gave Moses two tablets of testimony, tablets of stone. 
Now we're going somewhere. Written with the finger of God. What are these two tablets? These two tablets is the law written on stone by the finger of God, which means to them that it's irremovable. It's irrechangeable. It means that it's forever. You can't ever change what the Lord has done. So that stone to them, now they're getting, they're remembering that stone. They can't, they can't think about the stone without thinking about the law. Because he wrote the law on the stone. And now we fast forward from the Old Testament to the New. Where Jesus shows up and he sits on the steps of the courtyard temple. See, he wasn't a high priest at this point because in the Holy of Holies and then you had the holy place and then you had the outer court. Jesus, even though he is a high priest back then, he, he was not in the natural. So what, what was this? He was in the courtyard. He was outside. He couldn't even go in. And you got to understand, this is where the chariots come by and the horses. That, that road that day was stone with a little bit of dirt on top of it from all the people that walked by and things that had run by. So he's out there just sitting down in the courtyard, if you will. And guess what happens next? They bring him this woman called in the act of adultery. And when, and when they bring her into his mess, and he said, teacher, remember they're trying to trap him, teacher, this woman is caught in the act of adultery. Nothing about the man, just the woman. And now Moses in the law commanded that this woman die. But what do you say? You notice the method of Jewish execution in this day was what? A stone. They would stone you to death. Why? Because the stone represented the law. And if you, if you are... If you are uh, accused of breaking the law, then we're going to take a piece of the law and throw it to you and kill you, and justice is served. That's how they thought. They just throw stones at you. They would fall upon you. You just pick up the law and bash people to death with it. You know, churches still do that today. People still, people still today cast stones of the law and bash people all the time. We always accuse people and judge people. And guess what? They thought they had him trapped. They had no mercy, no grace, no forgiveness. And according to Moses, she has to die. She messed up and she must pay. I mean, that's the heart of many Christians today. I've had it before, just being honest with you. They messed up, man. Somebody's got to pay. Have you ever messed up? Have you ever felt like everybody say, you got to pay? And the church today ought to be the most forgiven. But most of the time, we're the most hardest with the stones in our hands that we throw first of why they must die. 
and you messed up so bad you can't you can't you can't get it right. There, there's no recompense. You you can't repay for what you did. It, you just messed up. Go sit down. You know you can come close, but don't come too close. That's not the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law of grace and mercy. See, there's a message of grace that some people think they have a license to sin, but the true message of grace that Paul preached will keep people from wanting to sin. See, his grace is greater than your sin. And when you see his grace of how much he really loved you and how much he laid it all on the table just for you in spite of all your mess, he loves you anyway. And he, did, he said, he didn't come to accuse you. There's something about that love that you mean he don't accuse me like everybody else? No, he don't. On your worst day, he'll never talk down to you. He'll never yell at you. He'll never give up on you. I had a teacher the other day. I do some investments, that type of thing, in some schools in different counties, and I was with a lady that just went through divorce the other day. And I'd really never talked to her about, you know, too much of God and all that and just business. And she had to know I was Christian. She said, I want to ask you something. I said, and I met with her many times before, and it broke me. She said, I just went through a divorce fixing to be final. I just want to know, do you think God's mad at me? This man had went around, run around with another woman, began to abuse her physically. And she asked through tears, because I'm getting a divorce, do you think the Lord's mad at me? Man, that broke me. There's all kind of people out here that feel like the Lord's mad at them. Do you think he's ashamed of me? You think he's disappointed in me or hurt? I said, listen to me. Man, that boldness. I said, on your worst day, your father loves you, and he's not disappointed with you in any shape, form, or fashion. He is never mad at you. I said, he's always for you. And I said, but I got to tell you the other side. He's not mad at your husband either. He's not bashing him either, even though he did wrong, and he don't approve of what he did and how you were done. He's not mad at him either. He's just full of love. Wanting him to repent too. And see, they brought, they brought her in and the Lord knew they trying to trap him. Man, with such wisdom, he said, you that are without sin, throw the first stone. And guess what? All you heard was stones falling to the ground. Just keep dropping. Until there was nobody standing there. And guess what he said? Woman, where are your accusers? She said, there are none. And guess what he said? Neither do I accuse you. Jesus came to remove the stone out of our hands. Jesus came to remove the law because you and I couldn't live it to give us grace. He's called you and I to, look, to remove the stone out of people's life. 
so the glory of God can be revealed in them. For you and I to speak to their potential, because there's goodness in everybody, I'm convinced. There's goodness. But sometimes you got to move the stone. And some of you are sitting here saying, I, you don't know what I've been through. You're like the two Marys on the way to the tomb that day that who's going to move the stone because it's too heavy for us. There's a Jesus today that wants to move that stone. What is that stone that's in your life that's blocking you from seeing the glory of God? Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's something in your past. Maybe it's just a lie from the enemy. I'm convinced there's greatness in every one of you in here. God put a divine purpose in you before you ever got to earth, a divine DNA. And it was to be a part of his kingdom. And you're really not going to be satisfied until you're fulfilling what he put in you to do. There's nothing like it. Jesus came to remove the stones. I heard this the other day. It says, when justice called out, it says to crucify us. You and I living by the law. Kill them. They're worthy of death. That's when mercy answered back. Come on. When justice called out for justice against you according to the law, that's when mercy answered and said, I'll go in their place. I'll take it from here. When justice tried to hang you, mercy cut the rope. That's a good God. When justice came to hang you, mercy cut the rope. This thing's all about the grace of God. He's bigger than your sins. When you really get a picture of how good he is, it'll make you not want to sin against him because he's so loving. I just want to ask you today, what's that stone? Jesus came to remove the stone. He came to remove the stone. I don't know what your stone is today. That's maybe blocking you from getting to your father. But I can assure you he wants to move every stone from off of your heart so that he can, you can get to him. And if you'll let him today, he'll remove that stone of guilt and rejection. That stone of your past hurts and bitter. He'll remove it off your heart so you can get to him because he's coming to you. Will you let him take away the stone? He said, remove the stone so that the glory can be revealed. See, I know it's nasty. I know it smells behind that stone. Ain't nobody knows it like you. But see, there's things been dead in your life a long time with some of you because you got hurt. And rather than just confronting it, saying, I know you're a healer, it was just easier to say, you know what? Just, just forget that area of my life. This area of my life is going to be dead to me. But I'll go in these other areas and I'll leave that alone. Well, see, the Lord wants you to be whole in every area of your life. Because he put this desire in you before you ever got here. Come on, somebody. So some of you in here has got areas in your heart that stone is there. 
And Jesus said, just tell them I came today to take away the stone. I can't, I'll move it. I'll help them move it. If they'll just bring it to me, I'll help them. Because I want you whole. Man, he's a good God. He's a good God. See, Jesus got up on the third day. Because he got up, you and I have the power to get up. Come on, somebody. Because he got up, you and I have the power to get up. Because he didn't stay down, you and I don't have to stay down. He put the power in us, resurrection power. Hell couldn't stop him. Hell can't stop you. It's in you. Resurrection power. Everybody bow your head, if you will. You know, there's a difference in blood spilled and blood poured out. Jesus poured his blood out for every one of you. But it's, it doesn't cover you unless you actually apply the blood to your heart. You're the one that's got to accept him. You're the one that's got to apply the blood. He spilled it. He did his part. But you've got to accept it. Paul talked about the resurrection when he said, you know, to be saved, you've got to believe on the Lord your God with all your heart and believe that God raised him from the dead. He said, you'll be saved. He was talking about the resurrection. Another place, it says, all those that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, I don't know of another day for somebody to give their life to Jesus. And on Easter morning, about this blood, this blood heals and saves and sets free and delivers. It is the power that we have, the resurrection power, the blood of Jesus. Would there be somebody here today just say, Junior, I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. Is there somebody here? You say, brother, I, I just want to receive Jesus. Is that you today? He's going to remove the stone of the shame, the guilt, the sins. He'll remove the stone so that his glory can be revealed in your life. Listen to me. This is to be a day. Look upon me. This is to be a day of celebration. Amen? Easter, it's a glorious day. Glorious. That he got up. I've got a song right here that, that I want to play that, that says simply that he got up. And I just want us to go out of here with a blast today, a time of celebration about what he did. When death tried to hold him. Amen? Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.